So here we are at session nine of Look at the Book on the chapter eight of Romans, and we're focusing on verses nine to 11, and we'll probably only get through verse nine in this session to try to keep it manageable and not be too light on anything. So Father, as we focus on this glorious deliverance from being in the flesh, I pray that you would cause it to happen in our lives for the first time, if necessary, and more deeply for all of us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left last time ourselves in that horrible condition of uh, being in the flesh. And here, the great change, the great deliverance happens. But you, however, are not in the flesh. This is not true of you now. But you are in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So compare the prepositions here. You being in the Spirit and the Spirit being in you. What's the difference? It says that if the Spirit of God is in you, then you are in Him. You're in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And I think the difference is being in the flesh is in the sway, control of the flesh. And being in the Spirit is in the sway and control of the Spirit. And the way that happens, the way we are brought under the sway of the Spirit and freed from the sway of the flesh is that the Almighty Spirit of God moves in to us. So He takes the initiative and He comes into us. So our being in the Spirit is the ground of, I mean, His being in us is the ground of our being in Him. He moves into us and puts us in His, his sway and thus all these horrible things like this was uh, death was the reality of being in the flesh and uh, being insubordinate to to God was the meaning of being in the spirit and being unable to please God. These were horrible realities of being in the flesh. And now you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, which means now you are not dead, and you're not insubordinate to God, and you're not unable to please God. And then, interestingly, he shifts terminology to give the alternative to this if, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, Alternative, anyone who does not have that reality, only he doesn't say it that way. He says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, shift colors here just to separate that, the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, why, why the shift from Spirit of God 
to spirit of Christ, because there are two spirits. This is this is one reality. That's, the, the logic doesn't even work if if you try to make them two different beings. Either you are in fact um, the spirit indwelt, you have the Spirit of God in you, or you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you. That's the way it works. So, Spirit of Christ and Spirit of God are the same Spirit. And I think the reason he he shifted terminology here is because he wanted to draw attention to the fact that there is a correlation between the indwelling of the Spirit and our belonging to Christ. Let me draw that out with a, a parallel here from 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have in you, who you have in you from God, and therefore, because he's in you, you're not your own? Remember the words? You are not your own. You belong to Christ. You were bought with a price. What's that price? That's the the death of Christ. So, back here to this. In in shifting terminology from you, you have the Spirit of God or you don't. And if you don't, you don't have the Spirit of Christ. And if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. You don't belong to Him. And so he's drawing attention to the fact that the indwelling Spirit is the seal of belonging to Christ. And in view of 1 Corinthians 6, this belonging was owing to a purchase. And that's not new in the flow of thought in Romans 8. Go back to Romans 8, 1 to 4. By sending, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So what is this? This is in the flesh of Christ, my sin being condemned as Jesus dies and take my, takes my place. And what's the relationship between that great historical act of redemption and purchasing? It is in order that I might be able to walk according to the Spirit and thus fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, which means that the presence of the Spirit in my life was bought for me by this great work of redemption. So, back here, that's probably all in Paul's mind when he shifts gears or shifts terminology between Spirit of God dwelling in us, thus putting us in the sway of the Spirit, and now wanting to make clear, yes, this is the Spirit of Christ, and therefore, it is the seal of having been bought by Christ at the cost of his death, and thus causing us to belong to him. So the upshot of this this single verse is that we belong to Christ. We, We have been purchased by Christ and thus belong to him. And we have the Holy Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ, dwelling in us. And because we belong to him and are 
and he is in us. Christ is in us and, and the Spirit is in us. Therefore, we are in the sway of the glorious, life-giving, and sanctifying Spirit of God.